So yesterday, Sam Lambert was talking about how some of these databases are promising you that you can just write to them and they'll replicate globally and you don't have to worry about it. Cockroach is one of those databases. So here's Jim Walker from Cockroach. No, I'm saying, Jared, you're right. And you know why? There's a hard limit called the speed of light. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, all. <laughs> exactly. Like, like there's That's a hard not... like we have, we have we have reached the limit of mankind right now. Like that's what I mean. We've advanced so far that we're reaching these limits. And like literally, yeah. how do you get past the speed of light? You you don't. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like and so yep. okay, maybe we change how these systems work underneath. There's always going to be some sort of limit. Like until like yeah, so it, hey man, when we break cockroach that, is working in the realm of entanglement. You know I mean? Right. And, and so, I was going to say you know, like. We we joke internally um, at, at Cockroach Labs. You know, our like I I run this competitive session on your first day of work here at Cockroach Labs. Yeah. I talk about who we are and and what we do. And you know, in the competitive session, you know, I have like a couple groups of competitors and yeah. But the number one competitor of Cockroach Labs, we we mm. internally for us, speed of light, because that's what we're playing with. No no <laughs> I, no joke, dude. We ain't joking. Like that's that funny. is really it because. You're right. Like if you think about getting consistent transactions at global scale, I have a user in Singapore and a user yes. in New York City accessing the same record at the same time. Who wins? Right. And, 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 and there's trade offs there, too, because do you want to solve for resilience so that data is available to that person all the time? Or do you yeah. want low latency access to that? And what it's doing is it's making people think about their data model differently. Like you. Yes, this man. advent of distributed systems is making say like, look it, man, when I built an application before, I didn't think about the logical model, right? I had to think about normalization and all these things I was talking about, right? Like that's mm-hmm. all really cool. In this new world, in this world of kind of cloud, you have to start thinking about the physical nature of your data as well because yes. it needs to survive or does it need to be low latency? And kind of trade-offs between the two is what you're looking at. And, and you know, doing that at the table level is what we do. It's it's dude. Some of the engineering feats here are just truly phenomenal. Like it's pretty awesome. And by the way, inspired by a lot of great work at Google. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in fact, uh, as I was reading uh, this morning, um, I was like, I was like, this sounds a lot like uh, this sounds a lot like some of the recent um, cryptocurrencies that have been coming out to build consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, a transaction isn't. I mean consensus has been a part of blockchain for a long time but <clears throat> but the more rapid blockchains that have been released where you have sort of this uh smaller level consensus that sort of rolls out to larger consensus um can you speak to that a little bit that just that concept of you know the agreement um and how how it decides um you know what what can be written versus read yeah. So I, I, we talk a lot about this a lot, sure. yeah. a, a lot, right? Because, <laughs> you know, five, I, for the, for the majority of people who are using databases today, they think about scale or how they get data to different people across the planet as a synchronization problem. Yeah. Let's write it yeah. here and then let's move it. Like in, in, yep. in, in this new world of distributed systems, you don't think about con- synchronization, right? Mm-hmm. You think about consensus. And consensus yeah. is about right, like for us, well, you can write three times or five times or seven, some odd number. And as long as you have a quorum within this concept, this distributed consensus algorithm called a raft, which mm-hmm. if anybody hasn't, if yep. anybody's interested in learning more about raft, it's really cool. The secret lives of data.com 
has an amazing the lives of data. <laughs> this, the, okay. the secret lives of data has this really awesome, like representation of how raft works, but it, but it shows okay. it off pretty well. Like, you know, so if I have two or three replicas of data saying like, this mm -hmm. is what it is, I'm good. I have a mm -hmm. quorum. So when we right. write, we're actually writing three times or five times. And we're not saying, Hey, write it once and then synchronize. No, it's consensus. So this concept of consensus versus synchronization is a big deal. And that's how mm -hmm. we get scale, right? That's how we get resilience. That's how we get like this, this global thing. It's good in a single data center too, by the way. Like, and so yeah. there's just so much power behind that, Jared. It's such a, I'm really happy you brought it up because it's such a critical concept to understand. Mm -hmm. It's so, so is it, is it allowing the, is the raft allowing sort of some isolation so that the, the interaction can occur in the application without the full globe being involved in every little event or uh, like, how does the raft interact ultimately? And if it, if it's too beyond, you know, explanation, no. that, that's fine. I, but like, I'm curious how it, how <laughs> the raft kind of works with the rest of the world. Yeah. So, I mean, underlying, you know, CockroachDB uses this, you know, HashiCorp Vault uses this. Yep. Um, you know, etcd, which is the brain behind Kubernetes, uses Raft. Mm -hmm. In fact, our implementation of Raft, we contribute upstream to etcd Raft. Like, Raft is just one of these things. It's actually pretty cool. And yeah. if anybody, like, is listening and, and building anything that's a distributed system, understanding how Raft works, yeah, we use it in the context of the database. Are you going to yep. use this in the context of your application is actually one of these things. It's an right. algorithm, man. It, it, it's a supporting algorithm that allows you to do some really interesting things. Now, the way that it works is it gets consensus. I, it's basically a, a replica. It, it basically manages replicas of data. So you could imagine, mm -hmm. okay, Jared, Rich, and Jim are three replicas of the same data. And, you know, I'm, I'm the raft leader. And it's like the application speaks to the raft leader and says, hey, man, um, can you update this customer record with this information? Great. Okay. It's on the raft leader to say, hey, Jared, Rich, update this record. And as soon as one of you say I'm good, I can say back to the application, everything's good, dude. Okay. Because two okay. of three, right? And we have quorum. Yeah. Because Jared, if you were late or something failed, you would have to actually catch up and be in sync with with Rich and I. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so like yeah. it's gaining consensus and 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 in a database that's really, really important, right? And we yeah. use it extensively. But it's just in a normal application. If you think about like, you know, you're you have a service that's running that's, you know doing some sort of function for you and you know you have multiple versions of that and you want to make that redundant and you're managing some little piece of data like it, it actually is is very broadly applicable in many different ways interesting so this is um one of the things i remember back when i was when i was talking a lot on NoSQL is um, you know, it, it kind of seemed like NoSQL allowed um, developers to be kind of lazy in the beginning. Like they didn't have to have all the requirements in the beginning because, because you know, they could. There was no real. They could sort of define a schema later, but they could just like start building stuff. Um, you know, it's. It, do you find that um, most of your customers tend to be organizations that sort of have a hey, I've got a defined project with a you know specific schema set, um, or you know, or somebody has an application that they want to now sort of formalize in a, in a schema that's, you know, super consistent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny, Rich, it, it, Jared, it's, it's not by customer, it's by workload. Mm -hmm. It really okay. comes down to what do you want to do? And like, you yeah. know, look, we get a lot of people who are like, look, we've been using Cassandra for a while. And by the way, you guys, 
Cassandra is amazing technology. I would never yeah, say yeah, anything is. bad about that because I do believe that this pandemic would have been horrible if we didn't have Cassandra. Like all that yeah, streaming, yeah. all those streaming services, <laughs> the Netflix of the world, HBO, all of them, yeah, all of them. Yeah, they yeah. use so much Cassandra to do what we, then like, can you imagine us without streaming for the past two years, you guys? Oh my I know. God. <laughs> we would have had to talk like, to each other. Yeah, yeah, we would have Tiger King, Rich. We would have made it for the first three hours of the p- yeah, pandemic, right. and then what would we have talked about without Tiger King? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like those those platforms use Cassandra in a way like, to distribute you know this data and get this broad reach and all, and it's amazing, yeah. right? But like the problem with Cassandra is, well, the power of Cassandra is if you know what you want to do, you can do some really cool things with it. Yeah, yeah. The problem with Cassandra, it's kind of difficult with transactions. The problem with Cassandra is it's difficult to change. You got to know what you want to do before you actually yep. use it. You know, if I think about the NoSQL databases, yeah, you guys can kind of be lazy and figure out schema later. But what are you building, dude? Like, do you have a, right. an opinion of what you're doing? And so, you know, I think it comes down to the workload. And, and you know, the workloads that we see coming to us, yeah, there's certain Cassandra workloads that are coming to us. But it's like... Any any type of thing, it's like a system of record. You know, it's like it's payment processing. It's transaction problem. It's inventory management. It's here's a good one. Like, oh, my gosh, like we see this all the time. You know, I'm a I'm a software vendor and I want to actually deliver my software as a service. Right. And I have, you know, an instance for you, Jared. I have an instance for Rich. I have an instance for, you know, five other people. Well, each one of those has its own database instance, probably. Right. But like, wait a second. I need a database that's getting the metadata out of all those instances too, right? Like I need yeah, something yeah. because I'm going to deploy, you know, Jared, yours is in Boston, Rich's yours is in New York. Like, like, and so yeah. what's the database behind all that? Like, how do you actually manage a SaaS or a service application? Like, oh my God, we get a lot of that. And so it really comes yeah. down to kind of like, you know, when, you, when you're trying to, you know, any sort of data intensive or data critical application, mm-hmm. you're going to go relational. Right. Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of asking, like, why would you use Postgres over NoSQL? Well, I'm, you know, <laughs> that, that is the question, though. I kind of like that bit at the end where, in just talking about NoSQL versus SQL, he's not really presenting it as either or. He's just saying, if for some use cases you want to eventually have the shape of queries that require a relational database, you're eventually going to end up building relational database on top of your NoSQL database if you're not careful. So I thought it was a really interesting discussion. I thought it might actually spawn an essay about how a lot of people accidentally invent databases without knowing it or have database features without knowing it because they don't know databases well enough. So um, yeah, interesting thought.